Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing W-A-I-O in your Play Store. We got a lot of territory to cover today. Uh, we uh, had, had some interesting seasons that we walking through here at Word Alive, and I'm pretty excited. I was just, you know, uh, second, this first service was interesting. The Lord just kind of broke out in a specific way, and so we're trying to be sensitive right now. We just don't want to jump right into the thing. I got like eight messages I need to get you in 30 minutes if I can. Uh, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll just let, let the Lord lead us as we move here. I, just, I got something stirring in my spirit, so I'll kind of let that stir, and I'll keep talking while that stirs, and we'll see where we get to. Amen? We want, we want to welcome everybody, of course, those viewing online today and those here that are live. We're so glad you're out to worship with us, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, Christmas next week as Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year, so we're just having one service, and so it uh, should be an exciting time. We're preaching on joy to the world. The Lord has come, uh, and basically focusing on why Christ came and what He did when He came, and when you realize that, it'll give you great joy, I promise you. One purpose He came, it said, to destroy the works of the devil. And so that, that, that stuff to give you some joy right there, wouldn't it? And uh, so uh, we'll be talking about that next week and celebrating Christmas together. be a one-hour service and should be some great music, some great worship, and uh, looking forward to that. And then New Year's Eve, the same, falls on, Christmas, on, uh, on Sunday, and so we'll have a, another serve, one service at 10 o'clock there, and uh, should be an exciting time. Today is First Fruits Celebration. And uh, we celebrate first fruits here around Word Alive every new month, new Hebraic month. And this uh, month is interesting. It's month of Tevet. And uh, so we're going to be celebrating that in a minute. I did a a different first service, but I think I'll change it up this service. I'm going to talk to you for just five or ten minutes. We'll give our first fruits offering, make a declaration. And then I need to share another word with you. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something significant, if that's okay with everybody. Uh, So in just a moment, we've got uh, uh, ushers and zone pastors at every... Uh, uh, place in the auditorium at every section, and we'll be giving first fruits. We do this celebrating once a month, but let me just get this to you first. This is the month of the eye, and it's a month to see with the good eye. We find this in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. It says, the eye is a lamp of the body, so if you have a good eye, that is, if your eye is generous, your whole body shall be full of light. And so this is a season to line with generosity, opening our spiritual eyes Proverbs 22, I read it this morning, says that the man with a generous eye shall be blessed. And that is seeing, a, seeing in the spirit, realizing that there's plenty of everything. I call it leaving a mindset of scarcity. Because so many of us are locked into a thought process of scarcity. This allows us to say we're going to break out of scarcity and move into a place of abundance. So touch three people and say, I'm about to leave scarcity. Tell them, I'm about to leave scarcity. Tell them that. So we do that in our first fruits given today. Second thing, it's the tribe of Dan, which means to mature. So touch two more people. Say, I'm growing up this year. Tell them, I'm growing up this year. <laughs> Proverbs 3 says, like, says it like this. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as mature, have this mindset. The mature have the mindset that I can leave those things that are behind and I can focus and keep pressing on those things that are ahead. When you really start maturing the Lord, you don't get caught up in the past. You just keep your eyes on the prize of what's headed into the future. So touch two more people say, my eyes is on my future. Tell them, my eyes are on my future. So there's a focus God wants us to grab this month. Then last but not least, the, the constellation is the goat, which means to leap or to make exponential progress. And so this is the season that you can move in the spirit realm and make exponential progress with the Lord. Now, 
This first fruit celebration is not just about our giving, but it's about our gathering. So what's important for us is to learn, to learn these first fruit seasons. This is a first fruit year, okay? 5778, the number 8, 2018, also the number 8 means new beginnings. All year, we started this in October, this whole 12 months we're in, are, it's a whole first fruit year. What does that mean? That means you can break into a lot of brand new stuff this year if you'll just align with God. And so this is a brand new year to break out of some old places, break, break into some new things because it's a first fruits year. So it's important to make sure you gather with the Lord around the first this year. So we're not legalistic about coming to church here. You know, we feel like people can be led by the Lord. But I would try to gather at least around the head of the month, the first fruits time. In other words, I would connect with the people of God. I would offer up to God a first fruits offering and I would find out what God is saying so I can stay aligned all year. So what does that look like for us? That means Come to church around the head of the month. You know, when you start seeing that, make sure you're in a worship service environment like this. Connect to a house of light so you're with the fellowship of the people of God and can find the faith of the household of God. And then offer up your first to the Lord. And as you'll do this consistently this year, I promise you on the Word of God, you'll move out of some places and you'll find yourself a year from now in some brand new places with God. So touch three people. Say, I'm going to move first this year. Tell them, I'm going to move first this year. Let's seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you, right? So that's very important. Second thing before we give today, I want to really encourage you. Today, when we give, in just a moment, I'm declaring it's a victory offering. When we give today, and, and there again, it doesn't, people ask me all the time about first fruits. They're like, what, how much should I give? How much is first fruits? Well, we know the tithe is 10%. Scripture tells us that. First fruits is you hearing God. It's not tied to amount. This is every month God wants you to tune in so that you can hear his voice and follow him. The Lord speaks different amounts to Bev and I all the time. We love to, you know, I'll hear an amount and I'll ask Bev, you know, did, what did you hear? And we love it when that matches up because we know that's the Lord speaking to us. And we tune in. We try to tune in every month to hear, God, what are you saying? Sometimes it's a small amount. Sometimes it's larger. We just simply every month try to look at what we have, what we've been blessed with, and determine what would be a great first to give to the Lord off this. This is the way we determine. But this is us, us hearing the Holy Spirit. This is you hearing the voice of God. So in just a few moments, it doesn't matter if it's a very small amount or a large amount. Whatever the Lord's leading you to because it says God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody that's doing it out of a motivation from God, not out of somebody making you give, right? But it's a victory offering. I felt the Holy Spirit really shared this with me. We're celebrating the 17th anniversary as a church. That's this year, right? That's awesome. Today's the 17th of 2017, and it's first fruits. So I looked up the word, I looked up the number 17. You know what number 17 means? Complete victory. Complete victory. So uh, not a partial victory, but complete victory. And so uh, that takes me to a scripture, 2 Kings 13. It says there was a prophet came along, in, or a prophet Elijah came along to a king and said, put your hand on the arrow, open the east window and shoot it, and we'll declare that's the arrow of the Lord's victory. He said, then he told the king, take the rest of the arrows and strike them on the ground, and you'll get a complete victory. 
And it says the prophet got angry because the king only struck the ground two or three times. He said, if you'd struck it six or seven times, you would have gotten the complete victory. So I'm declaring today, many of you have given all this past year. We've prayed prayers. We've fought wars together. But we've just got a partial victory. I'm declaring when we give our gift today, it's like hitting the ground another time with an arrow saying, I am looking for a complete victory today. I mean, I even dare you to give just a, you know, just like, ha. Like complete victory. Now, I know like some of us, we've already given online, so we won't be standing up to give today. Or maybe you should just take your cell phone and swipe it over the basket or something like that. Just any act of faith. Why? 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, here's a promise God gave me for us that's staggering from 1 Kings 5 and 4, that this is the season we're entering into as a church. But now that the Lord my God has given us rest, somebody shout rest. From war on every side, there is neither adversary nor misfortune confronting me. One translation says, there is no adversary and there is no crisis. There's rest on every side. Now, I don't know about you. I've had rest on some side, but I've never had rest on every side. But God made us a very prophetic promise, and it's been confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses that this is a season. We have fought wars here at Word Alive over a decade, but I'm here to tell you our labor has not been in vain because we're about to enter a season, and our efforts of war that got us here are going to buy us a season of rest on every side. What does that look like? That means plenty of money. That means your relationships are right. Your children are right. Work is right. Business is I'm talking about complete rest on every side. I'm not saying it'll be forever, but it'll be a season in preparation until God calls us to take this next territory. So I dare somebody, well, let's don't do it now. When you give, to, I dare you, but just not right now. In just a minute when we give, I dare you to come and strike that basket with your gift and just turn around and declare, I'm declaring rest on every side for me and my family in this situation. Amen? God laughs at impossibilities. God laughs at impossibilities. I've Bev and I have coffee at the same place every morning, and we say prayers together, and uh, I, I saw this uh, little plaque. I said, Bev, did you just get that? That's awesome. She goes, it's been here three years. Shows you how, you know, I'm a focused man. Uh, let me see if I can, look, it's been there three years. What does it say? Believe in miracles and laugh out loud. Psalm 2, 4 says God's in the heavens, and he's laughing at his enemies. Psalm 126 says, when God delivers us and brings the captivity to Zion, turns the captivity, we'll be like people that dreamed our mouth will be filled with laughter. I'm decreeing we're about to enter a season where God's going to do such unbelievable things in our life that our mouths are going to be filled with laughter. We're going to laugh out loud saying, I cannot believe that God has done this in my life in this season. Anybody in agreement with me on that right now? All right, so stand up with me, will you? There's a, there's a, a pastor, a zone pastor at each section with a basket. And uh, this way we're going to move down our first fruits giving. Seriously, if you've already given online, I still want you to make the act of coming toward this basket. Just wave your hand over it or something like that. Turn around and just declare rest on every side. There's something significant today about us giving in this season. I declare and decree it's a victory. It's a first fruits day, a victory that God is moving supernaturally on our behalves. In Jesus' name, we decree it to be so. So let's put our declaration up here. We're going to decree this, and then we'll give. Let's say it out loud together on the count of three. One, two, three. Today, we joyfully bring our first fruits offering to the Lord in faith and decree that this is a season of supernatural victories. This is the victory that overcomes even our faith. 
We believe and decree that God's exceeding abundant provision is our resource and inheritance. We enter this season in great expectation of what the Lord has prepared for us. Great and mighty is the Lord our God, and great is His excellent power. Our mouths will be filled with laughter because of the unbelievable breakthroughs we will experience, and we will enter into rest on every side from all of our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that, don't you? All right, come on, let's take a minute and jump out and let's give by faith. Come on. On the count of three, let's just turn around one more. On the count of three, one, two, three. Lord, we turn and we declare rest on every side. No adversary or crisis in this season. Dominion rest is coming on me and my family, this church, our families, in Jesus' name. Now let's shout to the Lord with the voice of victory in this house today. Woo! Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I believe that. Now this uh, has so far away from where I started today, but we just trust the Holy Spirit leads us. I got in the anointing first service here, and because uh, I basically preached an hour what I just preached to you in 10 minutes, the first service. But I got in a, 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 of an, uh, an anointing, and the Spirit of God began to move in a certain direction, and I don't want to miss when God's wanting to do something. I don't want to get all planned up, you know, and miss this. But this was very, a very poignant moment, and I believe this to be accurate. I believe, and I don't want to freak anybody out here this morning, but it's just the fact. I believe we've been contending with a spirit of witchcraft. We've been contending in this church with a spirit of witchcraft, with individual battles, corporate battles, literally over this church and over our lives and destinies. It's a real world. Ephesians 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of wickedness in high places. What you don't realize is, or maybe you don't, you do realize, or we need to realize again, I should say, this is an apostolic church. We're called to not just bless each other and bless people, but we've got a call from God to legislate in the spirit realm here in this geography. And I don't know if you realize or not, but there's been a war over this state. Now, it doesn't really matter which side of it politically you fall on. It doesn't deny the fact there's been a war over this state. Can you imagine the state of Alabama in, a, in one of our, our Senate races, which is normally not a big deal, was headline news for days and then all night on the night of the election because of the spirit that's stirring over this state. Because Alabama is marked out by God for revival. I said Alabama is marked out by God for revival. And God has raised this church up as an apostolic voice to be a part of what God wants to do in this state and this nation. Therefore, whether we like it or not, we too are engaged in this spiritual war that's going. Now, after this election happened, I'm not saying what God's will was in it. We just prayed for the will of God to be done. All I can tell you is when this election was done, I felt something shift and snap over this state, I'm telling you. Now, 
I'm not saying because who won or who didn't win. I'm saying because of the warfare and the prayer that, 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 that surrounded it. And little did you, did, and I think this is worth mentioning because this is very important when we start talking about this territory. We didn't realize this election was going to go down like this and all this would be stirring. But God put it in Jackie Patio's heart and she came to me uh, months ago and we've been planning and now it's coming to fruition that God spoke to her to uh, lead us and us now join together to do a freedom rally march or drive, if you will, in the month of May down the whole length of 202 where the freedom bus was burned. And it would be a prophetic act that God is going to shift once and for all, not a partial victory, but a complete and total victory. And this racism thing would be snapped and broke over this territory. Come on now. And so now what's happened, what happened, what's happened is... Uh, Ever, I mean, from rep state representatives, we didn't know there's, a, there's actually a foundation, a Freedom Foundation that's in place. We have black pastors who are saying, count us in. We're having all white churches count us in. We're, 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 we're having pastors who literally would have never done anything like this before saying, yes, we want to join forces. We've got, we, yes, we may disagree on lots of things, but we got much more in common than we do separate. And we see the whole body of Christ coming and, and supernaturally. So we're, we're, we're in the planning stages, but in May, we'll mark... Go the whole route of 202. I didn't know the history there and the battles that had been fought there. From Anniston to this church with all the communities, black and white and Hispanic and all races coming together and culminating here in a celebratory uh, prayer and praise and declaration saying, Jesus, we're dedicating this entire state. You started in Selma, may it finish in Coldwater, Alabama, and this thing be done in the name of Jesus. A complete victory. Well, you got to believe when you start engaging in this kind of stuff. Right? Every devil that ain't busy shows up, right? And that, that, maybe we should do better educating our church on our calling. Because when you engage here, sometimes, you know, you, people perceive, well, I'm just get, engaging in a local church and it's going to be a blessing, and it is. But they don't realize that you're enlisting, <laughs> Right? So once you touch three or four people, say, I just want to let you know whether you knew it or not, you're actually already enlisted. Tell them, tell them you're already enlisted in this thing. And, and here's why. I, I know this is strange. It just came out of left field. I don't even have any notes for it. I'm having to use my phone to help me. But there's a scripture that came to me that says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And here we go, this is uh, Isaiah 54, 70. And every tongue that is risen up against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me, says the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me early service and said, break every word of witchcraft that's been spoken against this church and God's people that are in this church and call it null and void in the name of Jesus and loose us from it in the name of Jesus. And I feel like we've been laboring against, while we're about to enter this rest, literally a spirit of witchcraft. Uh, the uh, the prophet Joe Brock came to me a few years ago. He said, Kent, 
He said, I don't want to frighten you. He said, but there's a coven of witches that are in this geographical location that have one mandate. And that is to bring you and the church down. With however they can go about hexes, vexes, spells. Of course, you know the Bible says the curse calls us cannot come. But there are stings of witchcraft. And if you don't know what they are, then you'll think it's just human emotion. And you won't realize you're in a, a spiritual battle. You'll just think it's a natural battle, but actually it's a spiritual battle. And I just felt like I'm supposed to release this. This just comes out of nowhere, but here we are. And uh, this is from Rick Joyner's book, The Spirit of Witchcraft. And he talks about the sting of witchcraft. And I just wanted to help you and I recognize this, and then we'll deal with it here in just, just a few short minutes. But the number one, th this, this witchcraft thing, it's a, it's a plan of the enemy. And the enemy comes, and here's how you recognize it. It's, number one, it starts with discouragement. Okay? The enemy comes, he tries to discourage us. If that's not dealt with, it moves to confusion. And then if not dealt there, it moves to depression. And then if not dealt with there, it moves to loss of vision. And then if not dealt there, it, it moves to disorientation. And then if not dealt with there, it deals, goes to withdrawal, then to despair, and then to defeat. Now, we all get discouraged at times. I'm not talking about natural discouragement, but there is a sting of witchcraft when you've come under an attack of the enemy, and it begins with a strong spirit of discouragement. Isn't it interesting that the Lord now makes more sense to me than ever? The Lord is so adamant about us encouraging one another. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together so that you can continually encourage one another. Discouragement never comes from God. He is the author of faith and the source of hope which never disappoints. Although God does discipline us when we need it, He never does so by afflicting us with discouragement. When James describes the wisdom that came from above, he does not list discouragement as one of its characteristics. The wisdom that comes from God is, first, is from above, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, and unwavering without hypocrisy, according to James 3 and 17. Discouragement is the very opposite of love, joy, peace, and other attributes of the Holy Spirit. We must learn to quickly and instinctively reject discouragement, giving it no place in our thoughts. We must tenacious, tenaciously resist it, taking every thought captive. Discouragement must never be allowed to dictate our course. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit and the shield of our armor that counters discouragement. If we begin to get discouraged, it is because we have dropped our shield and we need to pick it back up quickly. So I just say in the name of Jesus right now, we say we are not going to live in the spirit of discouragement. And we may have weakened in our faith and dropped our shield, but we grab hold of our shield of faith today again. And we hold it up and it's able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And we say anybody here today that's come under the sting of discouragement, that before you leave today, you will be thoroughly encouraged in your faith and in your hope in the Lord in Jesus' name. Touch three people say, get ready to be encouraged in Jesus' name. Number two, God is not the author of confusion. 
So we can know for certain that when, we're, when confusion strikes, it's not coming from God. In the military, confusion is one of the primary elements of battle that a soldier is trained to handle. Since nothing will ever go exactly as planned, there will rarely be a battle where there's no confusion. The same is true in spiritual warfare. The disciplined soldier who understands this aspect of warfare learns to use the confusion to his advantage. He does not let it increase his discouragement, but begins to anticipate it, looking for an opportunity to gain an advantage over the enemy. We must learn to expect confusion as a part of the battle and not be surprised or, or affected by it. Our resolve to stand and fight will quickly dispel this aspect of the attack. So if you've been battling discouragement and then confusion, not knowing what to do and going through confusing circumstances, that is not from God. So the Bible says all you got to do is ask God who gives wisdom liberally and he will tell you exactly what you're supposed to do and how to do it. So we just say not only if we take the shield of faith today, but we just declare out loud, we are not a confused people. We know what the will of God is and we know how to walk in the will of God. Romans 12 says we are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove the will of God is good and perfect. Perfect and acceptable in the name of Jesus. I declare confusion. Get out of our houses in the name of Jesus. Touch four people say, I ain't confused. Is this helping anybody but me? Number three, overcoming depression. God told Cain most effectively the remedy for depression. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? The ancient expression for depression. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Mm. Depression is usually the result of allowing discouragement and confusion to cause us to drift from our basic spiritual disciplines. Such as reading a word, praying, fellowshipping, and so on. Picking them up again with resolve will almost always start to reverse this downward spiral. So I'm here to tell somebody today, if the sting of witchcraft has hit you and thrown you not only to discouragement and confusion, but actually into depression, as soon as you take a step back to God, as soon as you get the Word of God out one more time, as soon as you begin to pray and ask God to get involved, as soon as you begin to move back into fellowship, that spirit will have to flee. Because the Bible says, submit to God and the devil will flee from you in Jesus' name. Touch three people say depression has got to flee in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Do you see any of this at work in our lives? Trying to discourage us, defeat us. Fourth and quickly, overcoming a loss of vision. This attack can also be turned to our advantage and used as an opportunity. When we begin to lose our vision, we must commit ourselves to strengthening our vision more and more. We need to sink our roots deeper and establish our purpose even more firmly on the Word of God. 
When God begins to lead us into a purpose, we should record how He speaks to us. By searching all the Scriptures and reviewing the ways He has led us in the past, we will even more firmly establish His leading. Above all, we must hold our course. We should not change our direction until we can clearly see the new course. So many people get thrown off track when they lose a vision for a place or their own life or their own destiny. And instead of waiting for God to clearly show them either where they're at or where they're going, they change and make a decision based on something they don't even know where they're at. In World War I, one of the most effective tactics of the enemy was to lay a smoke screen in front of an Allied battleship. As the convoy entered, the smoke visibility was lost. The ships would start turning at any perceived sound or whim with the resulting collisions sinking more ships than the enemy torpedoes did. So what happens, we panic when the enemy begins to come against us and we get confused and depressed and discouraged and then we start making decisions based on that and instead of based on what our vision is, what, our, what the call of God actually is in our life and instead of holding our course, we're moved by circumstances and we're moved by the opinions of people and we're moved by what people say instead of what God has already said in our lives. Come on, somebody. I love what Paul said in the book of Acts. He said, none of these things move me anymore that I might finish my course with joy and fulfill the ministry that I've been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just say and declare in the name of Jesus. I I feel like the Lord came to me the other day. He said, Kent, it was in Kings. He said, I'm going to open your eyes so that you can clearly see there are more with you than are with them. So I'm speaking to somebody who's been under an attack of the enemy. And I declare today, God's going to open your spiritual eyes so that you can see more are they who are with you than are with the enemy. And you will get complete victory in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, yes. Touch three people. Say, I'm getting my vision back. Tell them, I'm getting my vision back. Isn't that true? God sends you out on the vision, and the next thing you know, the enemy comes because he doesn't want you. As long as you stay on that vision, you're unstoppable. He'll try to distract us, try to throw all kind of obstacles our way to try to blur our vision. Then it comes to disorientation. As an instrument flight instructor, the first thing Rick said I had to teach a student pilot was that he must not trust his feelings He must not trust his feelings when experiencing restricted visibility while flying on instruments. Come on, somebody. If a pilot tries to fly by his feelings when in instrument conditions, he will quickly lose control of his plane. Even when flying perfectly straight and level through the clouds, it can begin to feel like the plane is turning. If the pilot reacts to this feeling, he will begin to turn in order to counteract his supposed drift, causing the plane to veer off course or possibly even turn the plane upside down. In a test conducted by the FAA, a group of pilots without previous instrument training were flown into instrument conditions. Every one of them lost control of their planes because they tried to rely on their feelings for guidance. The same is true of immature Christians who enter spiritual conditions with reduced visibility. 
or spiritual clouds. They usually try to rely on their feelings for guidance and therefore lose control. The instruments we have been given to walk are found in the Bible. And we do not walk by feelings, but by faith. In the sure testimony of the Word of God. The Word of God will keep us oriented on course if we will put our trust in Him. Even when our feelings may be telling us something else. I'm here to tell you the devil is a lie and the Word of God is true in Jesus' name. Touch four people say, I'm trusting the Word. We need to stay here a minute. I'm telling you, somebody needs to trust the Word. Every time Jesus got in conflict with the enemy, he never came out at him with anger or anything else. He just said, it is written. I find so many believers, they they, they don't know how to fight. We get all caught up in our feelings and we don't really understand. When we get in these times where we can't see and visibility is all blurred, we go to the Word of God and we lay hold of what God has said and will not be. That's why I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it looks like to in the natural. God said, rest on every side is the Word of God. Oh, you better come on with me on this level. I said, rest on every side. No, I don't like that reaction. I said, rest on every side. I'm going to give you one more chance. I said, rest on every side. Come on. I dare somebody to spin and declare it again. Rest on every side. Woo. Come on now. Sit down just for a minute. We, when this keeps, you see how this starts building and it gets on you and it gets bad. Six, you have to overcome withdrawal. Withdrawal. You're welcome. <laughs> In the Persian Gulf War, the majority of casualties were either reserves or civilians. The safest place to be in the war was on the front line. This has been true in most modern wars, and it is true in spiritual warfare. When we are being pressed in on battle, we cannot call a timeout. On the front line, we cannot ask the enemy to stop the battle while we have a headache. Or want to take a break. When we're on the front line, we know the dangers and we can't let our guards down. All Christians are on the front line every day, whether we like it or not. It is when we start to consider ourselves a civilian. It's when we start considering ourselves a civilian and not a soldier that we will be the most vulnerable to this attack. A Christian is never in the reserves. However, there are times of reprieve from conflict because seldom do battles continually rage along the entire front. However, when we know we are on the front, even our breaks are taken with vigilance. Realizing that a fresh attack can come at any time. Christians must never remove their spiritual armor or lose their vigilance. In times of warfare, there are occasions when strategic retreat is necessary. At times, we overcommit ourselves spiritually and must draw back. But that is not the same as withdrawing from the battle. 
Even when we have overcommitted ourselves, retreat should be a last resort. For an army in retreat is in its most vulnerable condition. If at all possible, we should at least try to hold our ground until our position can be strengthened. Even when we discover that in a certain matter we have acted presumptuously without being commissioned by God, we must not quit. We should repent. Therefore, a difference between quitting and stopping because of repentance. The first is a defeat. The latter is an adjustment that will always result in further victories. Repentance comes because of the truth that sets us free. Defeat will result in spiritual bondage to the power of the enemy. The enemy knows if he can get you discouraged, if he can get you disillusioned, if he can get you depressed, if he can get you to lose your vision, if he can get you to withdraw from the body of Christ and the fellowship, then he can take you out. Zebras, if you study zebras, and I love to watch National Geographic, if you study zebras, they all, every zebra stripe is their thumbprint. Did you know that? There's no one zebra striped alike. That's their individual. There's no zebra on the earth with the same print. They're all different. And that's their thumbprint. And they say as long as they stay together in a herd, the lion that's after them, and you know, that sounds scriptural to you, the lion that is after them because of their togetherness, all those stripes blur the lion's vision and he can't see where to attack because it looks like one huge zebra to him. But if he can ever get one isolated away from the pack, that's when he takes it as a prey. And so isn't it interesting that the enemy, the number one thing he wants to do is to try to get you to disengage, to pull away, to withdraw so he can take you out. I'm here to declare today in the name of Jesus that anybody who has found yourself withdrawing, we call you home to the body of Christ today and we connect you back to the purposes of God and we cover you and we circle the wagons against the enemy and we say no weapon formed against you shall prosper in Jesus' name. Grab two or three people and say, hang on to me in Jesus' name. Hang on to me in Jesus' name. I bet you right now the Spirit of God will call two or three people to your attention that as soon as you leave this church, you need to pick up the phone and call them because you've been wondering where they're at, what's going on in their lives, what's happening. And I promise you, it'll be the Lord. And when you call them, it'll reconnect them and probably save them from a destruction that the enemy's trying to bring to their life. In Jesus' name. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation by God. Touch four or five people and say, go reconcile somebody in Jesus' name. I just got two more. You all right? Overcome the despair. Seven. Genesis 2 and 18. The Lord said that it was not good for man to be alone. We're social creatures. And when we withdraw from fellowship, we usually sink into the deepest pit of hopelessness. Despair. At this point in the downward spiral, we must return to fellowship and get help in reversing the slide or else we'll be defeated. As simple as it may seem, it is the remedy. Even though fellow believers can be the source 
of the enemy's attack. Listen to me. Even though fellow believers can be the source of the enemy's attack on us, we must never run away from the church. We should run to it and work out our problems until they are resolved. That's a word right there we ought to sit down on just a minute. Right? Because your tendency is to run away. But that's the enemy's plan. Look, there is no perfect church, and if I went there and it was perfect, I'd mess it up just like you would. Come on. There is no perfect place. There is no perfect church. But I can tell you this. I've never been to a church more full of grace and forgiveness and acceptance than this church. You ain't got no business having to run away from here. We call you home in the name of Jesus. And we say be reconciled. I just say right now to every person that the enemy has tried to take away this church, I stand in agreement with you today. I speak to the north, the south, and the east, and the west. I say, devil, let God's people go. Let them come back to the church. Let them be reconciled. Let them be reunited. Let them be reconnected. And we say it in the name of Jesus. Come on, shout with me somebody in this house. Sit down a minute. We're doing apostolic work today. Yeah. Lastly, overcoming defeat. If Satan's stings of witchcraft have brought such devastation to our lives that we are temporarily defeated, we must see that God can still bring the ultimate victory. Paul commented to the Corinthians. He said, I've been struck down but not destroyed. At one point, Paul faced such severe attacks that he despaired even of life. But through it all, he learned that the secret of regaining victory was not in trusting in himself, but in God who raises the dead. God who raises the dead. Come on now. God who raised. It doesn't matter how dead you may seem because of the attack of the enemy. The Bible says the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And he still can raise the dead in this season that we're in right now. Paul wrote, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. Defeat is not an option in Christ. We will gain victory in that, we, in that which he has called us to do. The only way we can be defeated is to quit. Touch three people and say, there ain't no quit in me. Touch somebody else and say, I ain't playing. There ain't no quit in me. Be sober. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but resist him firm in your faith. 
We come against witchcraft and sorcery. We come against it in the name of Jesus. We simply say the God of all peace shall shortly crush Satan under our feet. We say we expose the spirit of witchcraft and its plans and purposes to try to defeat God's people. And we say we recognize the schemes of the enemy and we resist you today in the name of Jesus. Won't you just stand up with me just a minute? We just begin to recognize in our own lives any of these stings of witchcraft or what stage they may have brought us to in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you right now for the power of the Holy Ghost in this house. We thank you right now for the apostolic authority that's in this house. We thank you right now, Lord, that this is not a false authority, but this is an authority that's been given to this house by God. And so we stand in that true spiritual authority, and we stand against all false authority in the name of Jesus. And we declare all authority has been given to us over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that we could tread on them in the name of Jesus, and no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. We recognize discouragement. We recognize confusion. We recognize depression, loss of vision, disorientation, withdrawal, despair, and defeat. And we stand against it today in the name of Jesus. We declare that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives unto death. We stand today in the spirit realm decreeing and declaring all spirits of witchcraft are broken. And we put you on assignment now and declare we submit our ourselves to God we resist the devil and he's got to flee now in the name of Jesus Christ thanks for listening to this message if you're blessed by this message you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the wayo app and selecting give don't forget to subscribe to this channel thanks